BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Happy Friday. Today we are joined by one of Freckled Foodie Family's most requested guests, Hayden Cohen, also known as Haters. If you follow him, you love him. He is fucking hilarious across his platforms. He makes hands down I think, the funniest videos on social media. He just fucking tears into influencer, but like not seriously tears into. He just does the best impersonations of them and I love it so much. So if you know Hayden, you know all this about him. If you don't know Hayden, he lives in Boston. He actually works in influencer marketing, but he is an influencer making fun of influencers. So there's a very interesting relationship he has with the word influencer, which obviously we get into. He is a reality TV junkie and yes I told him that I actually do not watch reality television and he still likes me. We talk about everything stigma related with the term influencer, how we both relate to it, but also how you can use your platform for good and how we encourage people to do so. Specifically, how he is using his platform for good as a proudly gay man who came out at the age of 12 and conversations with moms he's having in his DMs of gay children. So you guys, this covers like so many different things. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. I had such a fun time chatting with him. He He's everything he is on social media and more. So Without further ado, here's Hayden Coven. Today's episode is brought to you by Beam. I've told you all countless times how incredible the Beam Dream products are, but I am turning to the Freckle Tootie family to help really sell the product because honestly, I don't want any of you missing out on it. Autumn said, I have been a follower forever and have been influenced by you to buy so many things that I love, but I have to say I've been taking the dream sleeping pills from Beam and I am literally obsessed. I have been notoriously a bad sleeper for years and these seriously make a huge difference in my routine. I wish I had found them years ago. If you guys are new to the CBD game, you must try the Beam Dream product. It is incredibly life-changing. You can take the capsules at night or you can use the powder that tastes like this delicious chocolate, hot chocolate mixture. It is so good. It's the perfect nightcap, the perfect way to unwind. You guys can shop all of Beam's products by heading to the link in the show notes or go to beamtlc.com. That's B-E-A-M-T-L-C.com and use code freckledfoodie15 for 15% off your order. Come on in. Hayden, thank you so much for coming on Freckles Foodie and Friends. I'm so excited to have you. 
I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. <laughs> oh my gosh, of course. You actually so first, this is like the first recording I'm doing post maternity leave. So I you're gonna have to bear with me because A, like <laughs> I'm sleep deprived, but B, mom brain is very real. And this morning I'm like, how am I gonna ask someone questions? I have to like get my shit together. Yeah, no, trust me, I'm in this I'm in the same boat and I don't I didn't even take a maternity leave. I never had a baby. <laughs> so like don't even worry, there might be some weird answers that come out of me. <laughs> Great. So it's just going to be a clusterfuck over here. And that's awesome. (laughs) Um, So you were one of the most requested podcast guests when I put out a poll of like, who do you guys want to hear from in season four? And you have been a frequent face on my group text because we send (laughs) your reels and TikToks and like videos all the time. And one of my best friends, Lizzie, is obsessed with you. So she's very excited that I'm doing this interview. Um, I love it. For people who don't know you and how hilariously funny you are, can you give us like the elevator pitch, I guess, of your account haters? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I am a comedic content creator. Um, I really started honing in on poking fun at influencers and influencer culture and influencer content about six months ago. Um, And my account kind of just took off from there. Um, A lot of influencers have started, you know, sharing my page. And I also talk about, you know, my life and style and just like the things I'm doing in my everyday life. I'm very big into, you know, pop culture and reality TV. So my stories are filled with recaps from The Bachelor to The Housewives. And in between, I'm really just, you know, poking fun at influencers and influencer culture and, um, you know, mostly myself. In all honesty, people are always like, where do you get your inspiration from and I'm like literally like 95% of the stuff that I'm making fun of is things that I do and don't think about and then I think about it and I'm like what the fuck am I doing like nobody cares you know what's in my shelf in my kitchen like why am I sharing that and so I just use that as inspiration but a lot of people you know think that it's about like specific influencers it's it's really most of it comes from me they obviously draw inspiration from overall culture in the influencer space as well but um you know it's kind of just been a wild ride I'm I'm over the past six months I've like grown a lot and it's been really so much like I think like last year last Christmas I hit last December I hit 100k and then but before that like the end of last summer I was at like 40k so in the past year I've grown like 200 210k which is like which is huge expanded my business like insanely it's wild um very overwhelming but you know all good things all good things so i have so many comments questions everything i will say i find your videos fucking hilarious because (laughs) they're so spot on with like poking fun at influencer culture my favorite is like the unboxing or whatever of like your newborn where it's like (laughs) that was hands down my favorite video you've ever done my sister Um, was like shook by that because it's her baby it was my nephew right and she was like oh my god my baby helped you go viral and I'm like no it was so funny (laughs) thank you no I appreciate it and I feel like like as like a mom too like you know like there are literally people that are like unboxing their newborn oh I mean the that's a whole other topic but like the clout that people use their children for is a whole side of influencing that I have a lot of opinions on it honestly Mm -hmm. It's been so interesting to navigate now that I am a mom because 
going into this, I was like, I really don't want to share Liam a lot. Like I'll share things about him, but I don't want him like on every aspect of my platform. I don't want him to be like the face of my brand. I personally just like would like to keep him a little bit more private. Also like he is his own individual, whatever. But I mean, I think I've done a decent job to be determined on like sharing pieces of him. But it is hard sometimes where I'm like, oh my God, this video is so fucking cute. But like, (laughs) keep it to yourself, send it to your family. It doesn't need to go to everyone else. Um, My first question is like, were you always funny? Like, are you someone that's just always been funny? Because I am not creatively funny at all in this way. And I just can't. Like, this is my one qualm with TikTok is that when I watch TikTok, I enjoy it so much. But then as a creator, mm-hmm. I feel like a pressure to almost do videos. And I'm like, but I'm just not that type of funny. Like, I'm not. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, I mean, I like to think I've always been funny. My friends will tell you that I'm like extremely annoying. And same with my family. Like, I'm always, I, I like to make a joke out of every situation. So just growing up, I've always like, been I always made myself the center of attention and so when Instagram you know started rolling out and like social media in general like I was obnoxious as fuck on social media just like my Facebook my Twitter everything was like look at me I'm a star I've always really been like I want to be a celebrity I want to be a reality star like that's like literally what my goal was growing up and Instagram kind of like let me do that on my own terms and Mm -hmm. so with like the rollout of reels it kind of um switched my the way that I saw Instagram um because people could really get to like know me a lot more um and really like video content is so different than you know just like a still image you really don't get to know people's personality um and so people really got to get like my sense of humor a lot more um which I think has like attributed to a lot of my growth and success but yeah, no, I, I've always liked to, to say that I've been funny. I'm, I'm a jokester, <laughs> like a class clown, totally. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's definitely, I agree though. It's like, it's not like a personality type that you want to like take on if you're not like comfortable being funny. No, you, you can't. You can't because it's it. not, yeah. Not only do you not have the creative, like me, I'm saying, I don't have like the creative funny aspect where like I can't even come up with the things. And then if I tried, to, <laughs> even if I came up with the thing, it's not going to be executed well because it's just not my vibe. Well, it's also but, different from like stand up too. Like I couldn't, I don't think I can right. do stand up. Like truly, like I would, I can do it alone in my room recording it <laughs> 17 times, but like being live on stage, like I actually think I would shit my pants. <laughs> it's terrifying to me. Yeah. My aunt actually did it. I guess like right before COVID, she like created a whole bit and did stand up. And I was like, that is terrifying to me. <laughs> um, so regarding what you said about like the photos and the videos and video content being able to almost allow people to get to know you better really rings true for how I feel about my platform specifically because I feel so comfortable getting on Instagram stories and just like they're an extension of my therapy sessions. Mm -hmm. I just talk, talk, talk. Like it is everything to me. I love Instagram stories. And then with posts, it's so hard because I have so much to say, but like the still image is so difficult. Do you know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. it's hard to pick something to go with the words. Did you – and I should probably know this, but for everyone listening who's maybe new to you, did you originally blow up on TikTok or was it like just a side thing that you had and Instagram was your main base? Instagram's always been my main base. So like I would say probably like four years ago, I was unemployed, living at home with my parents, had no idea what I wanted to do after graduating college, like everybody else in the world. Mm -hmm. And 
I was like, I'm going to start a blog. It was like, everyone starts a blog and like, I'm going to write about my life and my travels. I literally thought I was like Carrie Bradshaw reincarnated. <laughs> I I hated writing. Like I didn't know why. I don't know why I did it. Like it was like a pain in the ass for me. And um, my Instagram stories like kind of just like started taking off when I was like recapping The Bachelor and like different housewives shows, that type of thing. And my... Um, I, gr- I was growing like consistently and then I kind of plateaued. Um, and then when reels launched, like, that's when like I started growing a ton um, just because I feel like Instagram is like actively promoting reels and you yeah. know, it's becoming like a video sharing app now or whatever, trying to compete with TikTok. So I started growing really rapidly through reels. Um, but then I, you know, obviously want to like diversify where I'm like creating content. So I started sharing stuff on TikTok, more of like the pop culture things like, um, you know, deep dives into random, random shit that like a celebrity stuff or anything like that. Um, my TikTok started growing. So they kind of went together. Um, they're very different on each platform though. I would say my Instagram reels, it's mainly like influencer culture. My TikTok is more so like, you know, pop culture, reality TV, a little bit of like LGBTQ content sprinkled in there. Would you kill me to know that I hate reality television? No, that's the thing. I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't hate you. I would not hate you. I look at reality TV as like I. Th- I think I'm so fascinated by it because it's like a sociology experiment. It like, really is. It's really like there's you just learn so much about the world and people in general, and it's just like it's so eye opening to me to watch it. So I get why people are like it's mindless. Like I can't sit through an episode of The Housewives. I'm like, kudos to you. Like, I'm glued to it. Like, teach their own. (laughs) But see, I don't judge people for watching reality television because I totally understand why it's addicting. Mm -hmm. Like, I definitely – I mean, I watched, like, Jersey Shore and, of course, because, like, I'm from Jersey and that was just the shit. (laughs) And I totally understand. But I just – I think it's for me, it's almost that there's so much. Like, if you watch one Housewives, then I feel like you have to watch all of them. And then there are so many – it, it's too much for me. And like my friends will talk about these people and I'm like, who, I, I, I don't have room in my brain to learn these people's names and their backstories <laughs> and like who's fighting who, who's divorced. Yeah. Like it's all so confusing to me. So I just like sit on the sidelines. It's very all consuming. You know, you have to, as a reality TV watcher, you kind of have to like, you, fo- you then follow them all on Instagram. Then you right. watch all of their feuds happen on social media. Then you like know what's coming in the next season. Then you're engaged in the next season even more. So it really is all consuming. Like I am so overwhelmed with the amount of shows that I watch. And, but like, I love each and every one of them. There are some that are like, all right, I have to watch this because like I'm already this deep in, like I'm 10 seasons in, I got to keep it up. But a lot of them are just like so fascinating to me. Like I love them. What is your favorite reality, like, series, I guess? I would, right now, it's Love Island, the UK version, not the US. There's a big difference. Everybody who watches knows. But the UK version of Love Island is, again, it's just so good. You know, the the twists, the turns. It's, it's again, like, Love Island. I don't know if you've seen it or heard of it, but, like... I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. It's literally people, like, trapped in a villa in Ibiza, and it's just them, like, pollinating with each other and like hooking up and like all the shit that goes down after that um and so it's really it's really not that like there's no like plot it's basically people just walking around and like sweating in bathing suits but for some reason it just 
<laughs> it is so good. And I can't, I think it might be the UK accent. Maybe it's the, the English accent that we hear. But um, for me, it's just like top tier television. <laughs> It's going to be like, you know, well, there's this children's show like Peppa and the Pig or some shit, yep. and little kids are having like British accents now because of it. Soon I feel like our generation from this fucking Love Island UK is going to walk around with a British accent. Honestly, there's like reference, there's like sayings that they say that I now say to my friends and they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, sorry, you don't watch no. Love Island. I have friends, I have like a group of friends who are Canadian and honestly, I think I've like picked up on part of a Canadian accent sometimes and yeah. I will get comments on my TikTok being like, are you Canadian? I'm like, no, <laughs> this is so embarrassing. I just spend time with a few Canadians and evidently yeah. I think that I like the way they sound. Um, so regarding the like poking fun at influencer content, I'm curious because I have a really hard time with identifying as an influencer Mm -hmm. exactly for the reason of the content you're publishing, like, because that's what society, and I'm not putting this on you because this is what a lot of influencers are actually like. We have this like perception of an influencer to be the person that you're depicting. And a lot of times it sadly is, you're Mm -hmm. not wrong, but maybe it's because I like, I don't know, think highly of myself. I think that I don't associate with that, but that I could be very wrong. I'm sure some people think I am just like that. Mm. And that's fair for them to believe. But I have a hard time associating with the word. And I'm curious how you feel because now you've almost become an influencer by making fun of influencers. Like, is that weird for you? Yeah, it's definitely weird to identify as an influencer when my whole shtick (laughs) (laughs) is like shitting on them in a way. Right. Um, So it's weird to say like, oh yeah, I'm an influencer. I I guess I do identify myself as an influencer, but I would more so say I'm a content creator. That's what I say too. Or a comedian (laughs) or, um, you know, like a, I don't even know. It's it's hard to identify yourself in general, let alone like putting a label on it is, is rough. But yeah, no, whenever people say like, oh, like, what do you do? It's like, I'm an influencer because, you know, some people are like, oh, you're a content creator. Like, oh, you shoot really pretty pictures. It's like, no, my pictures are <laughs> shit. Like, I, I feel I, the same way. I suck at creating content, but like, I, like, I suck at creating like visually beautiful content. That's not my, sh- that's not what I do. But um, yeah, I create content that makes people laugh, that engages people. Um, so yeah, I always say like, either I'm a content creator or an influencer, mm-hmm. but I understand what you mean. Like the sense that influencer has such a stigma and you think of you think of these people, you're like, oh, I'm an influencer. You think of like, I don't know, these people that like don't work hard, that just like get their money. And, like, they're like hello, everyone. So this is my outfit. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, no, like I would say 95% of the people that I know that work in this industry are extremely hardworking. They, you know, they don't have much of like a life work balance because their work is their life. Their life is their work. Um, so I think there's a stigma that's like not necessarily correct around influencers. I, I would love to be like able to help change that because influencers are some of the hardest working people I know. It's really, it's a total mind fuck because on one hand, I am the same way. I'll say I'm a content creator and I'm like, but similarly, someone's like, oh, like you create video. Like I'm like, no, I literally record <laughs> myself bitching to a camera and somehow yep. make people feel less alone. Mm-hmm. And 
I feel, and this is like the self-doubt imposter syndrome that I struggle with daily, is like even when I'm contracted with a brand, I see some people create these like insanely gorgeous like pieces of content for a brand partnership and it's like a fucking movie. And I'm like, wow, that's gorgeous. And then it's me doing my sponsor content where I'm like filming myself in my bathroom, holding Liam crying, being like, and this is why I like XYZ. And it's all real. It's why I like the thing and I'm not going to – but. It's just the production level is very different in my world than a lot of others. And I think that's just how we all view our own content and what makes us happy and all of that. Like I don't have an interest in getting hair and makeup done for every time I have to shoot something. Um, And some people do and that's great. But I also think that it's like the word influencer is true in the sense of like with a platform, you do hold influence. Like you talking about something like – I know you did a campaign with Dunkin' Donuts. I fucking mm-hmm. love Dunkin' Donuts. Me too. Like the fact that you're talking about it, maybe someone's like, oh, I'll go try Dunkin'. You know, obviously you're from yeah. Boston. It's big there. But if you're mm-hmm. in New York, maybe someone will go try it. You hold a true influence. But it's hard to say that as the person holding it because it seems so narcissistic inherently. It does, it does because you're basically saying that people will follow what you do. And people right. will take what you say as Bible. And, you know, it, it definitely is hard to say like, oh, I'm an influencer because then people are like, what the fuck are you influencing? Like, okay, like, cool, good for you. But it is true. Like people, you know, even like this is when I talk about shows that I watch or, you know, clothes that I wear, people will be like, oh, like I went and started that show because you recommended it or I got my boyfriend clothes from here because you said that you loved clothes from here. Like random things like that, where it's like, okay, like it's actually weird that people are influenced by me. Cause I'm just like this fucking weird kid. from. Boston. I feel the same way. I feel the <laughs> you know, same fucking way. It's so, it's fun. You know, I can't, like it's, it's, it's nothing that I would change. It's just like, it's just weird. It's like it's, we stumbled into this. It's like totally, you know, very random to me, but I'm kind of just like riding the wave. <laughs> it's so random to me. I feel like I stumbled into this completely and like never expected it to turn into this because I was like so food focused, especially in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And like that was my whole thing. My face was never on my platform. And now here we are. It's like all my face and about me, which is so weird when I – it's just odd when you take a step back to be like, wow, all these people are actually just watching my life and like mm-hmm. somehow enjoying it and like taking what I say. Like I posted a link for a vibrator I use and it got like 4,000 <laughs> plus swipe ups. And I'm like, listen, oh clearly there's influence here and like yeah, right? I'm – I'm happy to provide you with the goods. Like yeah, it's right. amazing. Use it. But <laughs> it's just wild to me like what people are willing to take verb like recommendation of, I guess. Oh, totally. It, it's the weirdest things too. It could be like something that's in the background of a video that you took and they're like, where is that like stool from? And I'll get like a hundred DMs of like, where did that stool from? And I'm like, I got this from like the flea market. Like this isn't anything special. Like you could, like you could probably build something nicer than this. It's all, it's very odd, but it's, it's honestly really like rewarding to like being able to use like your, like your influence quote unquote for, for like good things and for being able to like help people. That's like what I've discovered recently and been trying to do more is just like trying to use my platform, like 
more as like an educational resource, but also as like a place where people can like find a community and like mm-hmm. kind of crowdsource to like help each other in a way. Um, I've been doing that a lot recently with like teachers and like helping them like clear their lists on Amazon, which has been good. Um, so it's not all just like a product focused things. Like it actually can really help people and like help change lives, which is really important. I feel like. And I think that's, I mean, that's end of the day that that's why most people are, are doing this because like, I don't care how many people swipe up and buy a fucking vibrator. I care about the people who are DMing me being like, oh my God, you talking about your anxiety medication makes me feel more normal about taking mine or Mm -hmm. encourages me to actually have the conversation with my therapist. And I've been, you know, putting it off. Things like that. That's where I'm like, okay, I'm actually making a difference and I'm having an influence that I then really care about. And I'm curious for you, like, you know, for me, a large thing is anxiety. And especially now being a mother, talking a lot about the struggles of being a mother and just the whole emotional roller coaster that it is. Mm-hmm. You mentioned a lot of your videos on TikTok, or not a lot, but some focus on LGBTQ rights. Is that something that you feel you definitely want to use? Your, like, it, not want, but is that something you feel inclined to use your platform for? Yeah, definitely. I feel like even just like through my DMs, and obviously, like I'm, I'm a very proud like gay man. I've been out of the closet since I was like twelve or thirteen. And a lot of people like have DM'd me and come to me like looking for advice about like how to best support their children if they come out to them or, you know, after they have come out, like how can they support them in what ways, like what are good things to say, what are bad things to say. So a lot of the conversations in my DMs are with moms that, you know, my mom would have been, you know, Mm -hmm. 15 years ago had social media been around. So it's really interesting to see like how social media changes the dynamic of, um, you know, relating to your children, because if a mom, if somebody, you know, in Arkansas, if a mom follows me in Arkansas and she might not be the most liberal person, but her son comes out to her as gay or trans, um, and follows me and sees that I am, you know, somebody that she follows that could relate to her son, like, and reaches out to me, like, okay, that's like, I've made my life's work right there. Like if I can help her, her son in any way, shape or form, then like, that's all I need to do in life. You know what I mean? So I mean, that's really a huge influence. For, yeah. It's really important to like, just like have those conversations. And like you said, in my DMs, like I probably get them a couple of times a week, a week of like, Hey, like, I think my son, you know, is going to be gay. Like, what do you suggest? I'm like, okay, like, here's what I suggest. Here are my like thoughts on this. Like you have to support them, that type of thing. Like, and I, it happens very often where it's like, okay, like if I can be somebody that these people turn to for like advice and how to best handle the situation where like, it's going to help their children. Like, absolutely. I'll do that 24 seven. Absolutely. So I'm curious, I would love to dive into this a little bit more. You said you came out when you were very young, 12, 13, mm-hmm. like what was that because that is pretty young, yeah, correct, pretty young. for I, someone to come out. I think the average for someone to come out, and don't quote me on this, people listening, but it's between like 16 and 18, um, I mm-hmm. would say is when most people come out. I came out when I was like 12, like maybe 12 turning 13. Um, my coming out experience was a really good one. Um, I came out to my friends first and then my mom actually came out to me she like told me she knew I was gay um which literally just like lifted so much weight off of my shoulders and then from there I kind of just was like all right I'm openly gay now like it's not it wasn't like a conversation that I had like on a daily basis it was just like this is me not to get like Demi Lovato on us but you know it 
really was a struggle for the time leading up to when I came out. I was like severely anxious, severely depressed, like had a lot of issues, like socially, um, you know, in school, I was just like struggling really hard. And, um, that like anxiety has also like just followed me throughout my life. Like not even relating to my like sexuality, but it kind of start, my anxiety started there and now it's like trickled into other aspects of my life. So, um, I am a very proud proponent of therapy and, you know, medication and all of that stuff if you need it. Um, but yeah, no, my coming out experience was a really good one. It's just, it takes a toll on you like physically and mentally, emotionally, like the time leading up to when you do come out. So, um, it's something that I don't take lightly when like talking to people about it and like my DMS and stuff It's like to always just like let people, um, kind of find their voice and figure it out on their own and obviously like be there to support them and like guide them through it. Um, but don't necessarily force somebody, force somebody out. Um, my mom, right. when she like asked me, like she could tell that like I wanted to and like wasn't able to like, verbalize it like I remember I was like grounded for having a party um while she wasn't there at home or something like that at 12 what were you a wild no, child I was so I came out to my friends at 12 I came out to my oh, mom okay. at 14 so I was a wild child though like I was like <laughs> a crazy middle schooler slash high schooler um and when I came out to my mom I was grounded and she was like talking about like bull- like the bullying epidemic that was going on in the school in schools and she was like are you ever bullied and I was like I don't know like what would I be bullied for <laughs> and then she was like I don't know like maybe because like are you like are you gay and I was like yeah <laughs> and it was just like this whole thing it was like a really sweet moment and ever- whenever I tell the story like my mom is always like did I really do that like it doesn't even like sound like a conversation we would have anymore but um yeah, I think that just like being there for somebody and like helping them learn through it is like the biggest thing that you can do. And the biggest thing that I hope to help people learn about like the coming out experience, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, it's a really interesting topic for me now. I grew up around a lot of people in the LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. specifically female lesbians. And it's always just been like, oh, okay, they're gay. They're not gay. Like whatever it is, what it is. And be, I'm so grateful for that. And now as a mother, it's so interesting for me to switch the, like, it's a different discussion because now with my son, like if he were to come out to me, like then how do I navigate that conversation to make sure that he feels supported and he Mm -hmm. feels comfortable and like, not like he has to hide anything. It's really a sensitive subject, but obviously, because it's so important, but it, the coming out experience from what I've heard, I cannot speak from experience, but I think you kind of just said this, it's a really big deal. Mm -hmm. And I think the reaction has a long lasting impact. And so that is something that I've now like thought about in the future, if that were to happen. Absolutely. I always see this meme and it's like, if you aren't prepared to have like a child come out to you as like LGBTQ, then like don't have children. Right. It's so important to even just like your knee jerk reaction, whatever it is, like that's going to last with them forever. Um, So it's so important to like, think about that when, and I always like, I would, I'm obviously very like pro gay. I don't understand people that are anti gay or like, it doesn't make sense. It's a whole nother conversation (laughs) that we can't get into. Um, But it's true. It's like, if you don't want to have gay children, like, you can't have fucking children. Like, 
stop. And yes, like wrap it up like now. (laughs) (laughs) Wrap it up. But really, because and even just this is something that my husband and I talk a lot about, not in terms of like sexuality, but just the way that you speak about other people or about yourself is really molding your child's brain. And I come from an experience of like watching my mom critique herself or my grandma mm-hmm. critique critique herself. I'm like, oh, well, that's just what women do. We're supposed to critique ourselves, which yeah. is not reality. I mean, mm-hmm. sadly it is reality, but it's not what we should be doing. And it's the same thing with like the way you're reacting to to men kissing on a television show in front of your child who you uh-huh. might not know is gay. And like they are then hearing you say these things and like that's making a long lasting impact. And that's something that Joe and I have had a conversation about of just being very mindful of moving forward of the way we speak about ourselves, about other people, the way we speak about general topics, like have a very large impact on a child's brain and just always being cautious of that. Totally. I completely agree. I feel like it's something that I don't even, you don't even think about it until you actually have this type of conversation where it's like, even just like looking in the mirror and being like, oh, I look so fat today. It's like, that could literally mess with someone's head to like the 10th degree. Mm -hmm. You don't even think about it. Yeah. We have a rule that we're not allowed to critique our bodies in front of our children. And I already fucked up the rule, of course, but I like caught myself quickly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Speaking of being a proud gay man. Can we dive into Garrett? Oh my God, Garrett. (laughs) He's such an angel. (laughs) Can you explain who Garrett is for everyone listening that doesn't follow you? So Garrett is my fake Instagram husband. He is like such a dream. He doesn't touch me or bother (laughs) me. He's just there to support me really. So my whole like shtick on Instagram um, is having this like Instagram family that all these like influencers and bloggers have and I was trying to think of like this like quintessential like man like who he is like what his name is what he does and I don't know why Garrett just like came to me it was just like I always I was like okay now I'm Garrett's girl like that's like literally my my thing now and it's so funny because my best friend started dating somebody named Garrett like two weeks after I did like my first Garrett video and ever since then, it's, like, become this, like, running joke of, like, he's my Garrett, and now I'm going to, like, steal him from her. Um, but then I also just, like, built this, like, whole, like, Instagram family with Brooklyn, Brinkley, and Bisquick. They're my children now. Um, it kills me. And, yeah, no, I they're literally – it's so funny because so many of my followers, like, when they start following me, they think that Garrett's real. And they're, like, I'll get DMs, and they'll be, like, wait, when are we going to get a Garrett reveal? And I'm, like – hate to break it to you, but Garrett is not real. Um, I wish he was, but he is not. Um, you know, one day I will find my Garrett, but right now I'm happily single. So it is, it's really funny because it's like taken a life of its own and kind of become its own thing. Um, but I mean, people are interested in it, which is fun. I wonder like what that must feel like to be someone DMing you. Like, when are we going to get a Garrett reveal only to be told like, he's actually not real? Yeah. yeah. But wouldn't it be funny if the person you ended up with is a Garrett? Oh my God. I've literally like swiped right on apps. I'm on like all the apps. Yeah. I've swiped right on people just for their name being Garrett because it's like, (laughs) if I can, if I really manifested this shit, like there is is a God. (laughs) So my best friend who I mentioned in the beginning of this episode who loves you, Lizzie, she is actually very seriously dating a Garrett who is my husband's college roommate and they met at our wedding. They were bridesmaids, groomsmen. They met at our wedding. 
hooked up at the wedding and then have like been together since. And she fucking moved out to Arizona to live with him. So I'm bitter about that, but it's amazing. So Garrett. Yeah. Well, is, that's so amazing. Okay. So it's a good, it's good to hear. Good it's a good, it's good Garrett. juju. Yeah. Good juju. Good juju. <laughs> so someone, I asked my like listeners if they had any questions and one that I'm really interested in is, so you, we should have said this in the beginning, but you also work in influencer marketing. I do. Management, yeah. correct. My full-time job is as a talent manager for an influencer marketing company. So I manage influencers, their brand partnerships, their overall careers, and like help them connect with brands that they're passionate about and do all the, like, the back-end things that people don't necess- necessarily see online. Which is actually very funny because when you became like haters on like when you started to blow up lizzie was like why does haters follow you and i was like who's haters like a long time ago (laughs) and i looked him up i looked you up and i was like oh my god wait i think i had a conversation with this guy on the phone about like manage and i was like are they the same person um so that also must be like talk about having an interesting relationship with the word influencer because you are one your comedy somewhat focuses on it but you're also managing them so that's just a whole lot going on. Yeah. But someone asked like, like, this whole thing. <laughs> I'm sure there are therapy sessions over it. Absolutely. Someone someone asked, um, what are your thoughts on influencers that hide behind the like it's my opinion and don't take accountability for the fact that their opinions still have like an impact, a consequence, and an influence like we mentioned earlier? Yeah, I mean I really just I'm very much like a cutthroat type of person like I don't have time for those type of people and I'm very like outwardly against that I think that if you're an influencer you have a responsibility to one be educated and to two you know share you have to share your thoughts and what you feel about things but you have to have like some stuff to back it up. You can't just like spew out of your ass as and I think a lot of influencers do specifically I mean just looking at like when it comes to like vaccinations and like people being like anti-vax and being like, don't so even get over, me started. Oh, I know. <laughs> so like, so open and honest about it. And they're like, I'm just sharing my opinion. It's like, okay, well the opinions that you're having are influencing hundreds of thousands of people. And if they're, you know, influencing them to not get vaccinated and to then, you know, the things that come after not being vaccinated, which would be like contracting COVID or spreading COVID. It's like, just like know what you're doing. Like, how do you not understand what you're doing? And how do you not understand that's having like a detrimental effect to not only your followers, but to society in general. So I think that people really need to take their platforms like extremely seriously. And when people, when I, when I, if I follow somebody and they, you know, go against something that I believe in or aren't, you know, providing facts or are really like just having like an uneducated like biased opinion about certain things like I immediately unfollow them and just I think that it's really important to do like a purge of your social media accounts and make sure that the people that you follow are people that are adding value to your life and aren't you know necessarily just like a lot of people I used to follow were like aspirational like I would follow all these like rich people and be like I want to have a g-wagon when I'm older and I want to have a mansion with Garrett like that whole thing <laughs> um and now I'm kind of realizing that it's like it's not more it's not about that it's about seeing like who is actually you know interesting to me who like has an, a different opinion or a, an interesting opinion or adds value to my life as opposed to what are they posting about or faking or faking in their life because social media is all bullshit <laughs> Yes. And I think that I encourage, well, I encourage social media purges all the time because 
you should be following people that inspire you, not make you feel less than. Mm-hmm. And it's not only like opinions based on what's happening in the world. Like this year was really my year of being like, I can't, I cannot follow certain people anymore. Like we're not going to do this whole like manifest. I don't have white privilege. I just mm-hmm. manifested it. Or like, uh, you know, I'm going to the gym. I'm eating healthy. I'm not going to get COVID. I don't need the vaccine. I can't anymore. <laughs> so uh, no. No, I, I yeah, no, I've purged. But I also think that like social media should be a place that you're hopefully leaving feeling better about yourself, which mm-hmm. is difficult to do sometimes because the internet can be very fake, like you mentioned. Yeah. And I think that's why so many people love your videos so much because you shine a light on like an aspect of this industry that is just such bullshit. Yeah. And it brings comedic relief to it. But it's also like, guys, you see how hilarious this is? Like, remember this when you're watching an influencer who's doing this exact thing and be like, oh, wait a second. And that's the thing. So many people will DM me or send me like videos of other influencers and they'll be like, ever since I started watching your video like I can't take this seriously and it's like made me realize like how this is like bullshit it's like that's none of this is real and I'm like yeah like I would say 50% of the people that are posting about like their mansion tours or like their backyard renovations like like none of it's like it's smoke and mirrors and so I think that's probably like one of the biggest things that I can talk to people about is be like hey like let's make fun of this in like a comedic way, but like actually next time you look at it, you'll see it through a different lens and be like, oh my God, like this is so true. (laughs) And I feel that way on being on the other side of it now. Like now that I've seen how the sausage is made, I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) Like watching other people's content sometimes, I'm like, and that's fake and you don't use that and that's (laughs) bullshit. I know why you really are. Even like people I've met, I'm like, I can't consume their content anymore because I know I've seen them in person. Mm-hmm. I've seen how they act. I've seen what they've said. And then when I watch content, I'm like, this is all, this is a different person. So um, many people are not who they are. Like they have like this persona on social media and then you meet them and you're like, what? You're like, this is you? Like, really? Like, <laughs> this is who we are? I'm like, no, like, I don't get it. And so I think that the thing you have to be like, the reason that I think, like both of us are like successful on social media too is like we're very authentic and real and we are who we are on our stories is who we are on our videos is who we are in real life and all my friends will tell you that too like this is this is like who I am it's not like something right it's not an act yeah exactly and so that's why I've also seen like I feel like like people are starting to take their relationships offline and starting to have like events and like do things in person when it's like safe to do so. And I recently had like a meetup with like a bunch of my followers here in Boston and like it was 10 times better than like any campaign or anything I've ever done in my life. It was just like so much fun to be able to like put faces to names and that type of thing. And I think that's where a lot of people are, you know, moving towards. Yeah. I did a lot of events right before COVID mainly in New York. And then I did one in Boston, Chicago, Philly, DC. Like they were so much fun. I cannot wait till we're in a place where I'm comfortable to do them again. But regarding like, you know, you are how you are on camera and you are in real life. I do have a bit of like a complex about myself because I used to be a raging bitch when I was like younger. And I own that like really hard on my account because my biggest fear is that someone like from high school is like, oh, you follow this girl. She seems all nice. I don't even think I seem nice on my account, but like, oh, she seems all encouraging. She was a fucking asshole. So I'm very, like, I'm so upfront about it because 
I want to out myself. I don't want someone else to out me. I'm like, you guys, I know. Like, I'm aware I've done, of I've it. I've the same thing. Like, in, like, Q&As, people were like, what were you like in high school? And I was like, I was a fucking nightmare. Like, I'm sorry to the girl who I threw an open glow stick at her eye. Like, I'm very sorry about that. Like, and I will admit that I was not happy at that time. And I was taking it out on other people. Because if she comes out and is like, this guy's a dick. Like, look what he did to me. It's like, I already primed them for that. They already yeah. know. I've changed. I've grown. And I'm better now. <laughs> My mom was like, you're doing such a good job of just like putting it out there so that no one else can out you. Like, you've already yeah, said right? it. So like, what are they going to say? She was a bitch? Like, yeah, we all know that. I've admitted yeah. it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on here. This was so much fun to catch up with you. I'm happy I got to actually like meet you in person. I know we've talked before, but now yeah, yeah. as like a haters mm-hmm. from- like conversation. No, no, um, I'm so glad too. It was so much fun. And it's always just, I feel like it, I like learn so much just through these like conversations about like other people, other influencers, myself. So it's, it's always good. Anytime you want me back, I am here. Oh, come on back. It's like a little therapy session. That's what I like exactly. to think. It's my therapy. My therapist yeah. is on vacation right now. And I'm like, okay, so I've booked myself with three recordings today. Yep. <laughs> um, for anyone listening who wants more of you, where is the best place to follow you? Um, you guys can follow me on Instagram at haters, H-A-Y-D-E-R-Z. TikTok, my TikTok is why you Hayden. Um, and that's, you can just follow me in life in general. If you want to follow me around in Boston, I'm happy to be a tour guide for all of you. Oh, I love Boston. Um, well, thank you so much. All of that will be in the show notes and I can't wait to just continue to laugh my ass off at your videos. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I had so much fun speaking with Hayden, but honestly, like this was the first recording, I think. I think I said that. The first recording post-maternity leave and something I'm struggling with a lot right now, and I'm honestly kind of terrified by it. It's like my brain does not work. I, I sometimes, I'm not kidding, cannot form sentences, and it's truly terrifying. Last night, I tried to send a DM to a few people asking a question and then email a few people asking a question and I couldn't form the sentences and I had to like highlight, delete, try and retype, highlight, delete, try and retype five times. Eventually, I closed my phone and I was like, I just am not in a place to be able to communicate right now. And I felt this way with a few podcast interviews and it's hard for me because I want to be having these conversations and I love doing this. But then sometimes when I re-listen, I'm like, Cam, what are you even saying? And it's terrifying in the moment. And then it also pisses me off after fact because I feel like I'm not doing a great job at interviewing. But that's a whole, I guess, other story. So I'm, I'm working on it. I'm really trying to get my brain to work again. But it's really real. And I know people say like, oh, mom brain. But this whole, I think it's the postpartum hormones, but also the sleep deprivation and just like the highs and lows roller coaster, it really fucks with your actual ability to like communicate and be a human. It's, it's really terrifying. Um, this episode talks a lot about influencing in general and this is something that I've talked about on my stories but I'm definitely having a tough time right now with work just deciding what I'm enjoying doing where I should put my time what I'm not enjoying doing just feeling really stressed out by the concept of being on social media if we're being honest and I sent a friend a text Olivia um the other day that was just like I need someone to talk through this with it's like in the industry who can kind of talk me off the edge of a cliff. And fortunately, I got coffee with her the next morning, and it was really helpful. And I think it's just 
I think it goes overlooked by how all-consuming this job can be. And it doesn't have to be, but it really easily can be because the lines between work and life are really blurred. And it's really hard to not let the numbers get to you where it's like, why is this person have why does this person have so many more followers? How did this person blow up? How come I can't do that? How did this person get this partnership? How come I can't do that? How does this person charge so much for something? Like what am I doing wrong? And then it's like, why did this post bomb? Why are so many more people liking this post or commenting on this post? And and then I feel badly if it's a sponsored post and it's not doing well. And why are my views dropping? It it's so all consuming. And I really, really dislike that it matters because at the end of the day it does matter financially like this does pay my bills so it does matter and that's what's hard for me like I I really have a hard time with the fact that people liking me is what pays my bills if that makes sense I think that's the bottom line that I'm struggling with and that I don't feel like I'm providing any helpful information and I know I go through this kind of like emotional roller coaster of work and crisis of what is life and what am I doing every like six months or so but I'm just deep in it right now and the other day I just started hysterically crying out of nowhere and was like is this even what I want to be doing but then I started thinking what would I do otherwise and then I started to realize how fortunate I am for this job and how much I love it and so it's so fucking confusing it's such a seesaw and I'm just trying to balance the emotions. I guess that's kind of the underlying theme of my life right now. But I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what is what what makes me happy. And honestly, right now, a lot of it is like sitting down and writing and just like getting out my feelings. And that's the content that I feel proud of. So I'm trying to lean more into that and trying to lean less out of like doing the time suck things. And right now that kind of looks like taking a step away from my DMs just because it's a lot for me to handle right now. And I think that that'll make me more present and also more appreciative and interested in work rather than feeling like I'm always reacting because that's how I kind of feel right now. I'm just like reacting and responding 24-7 and that's not a fun vibe for me or arena to be in. What else is happening in in my life? If you follow me on Instagram, you guys know we had a bit of a COVID scare. I'm still like really fucking confused about the whole thing. But basically, we were getting tested prior to two weddings we had. Last week, I said like, oh my God, we're going to leave Liam for the first time. Okay, well, that didn't fucking happen. Um, We had two weddings this past weekend that we were going to. Friday and Saturday and we were preemptively getting tested and you know most people are asking for tests but most are asking for rapids we just got rapids and PCRs to be extra safe excuse me I don't know what it is but I can't stop yawning when I do these solo episodes um and Joe's negative or his rapid came back negative as did mine and then overnight he got his PCR results and we woke up in the morning and I was like breastfeeding Liam in bed and Joe's on his phone and all of a sudden like literally it looked, I mean, I I definitely thought like someone died the way he was like cam, 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 cam on his phone, just like froze. His PCR came back positive. So immediately we separated in the apartment. 
um, called Liam's pediatrician, called our doctors, and I got my PCR back negative. So I was like, what the fuck? So he went to Jersey to quarantine at my parents' house since it was empty. Um, It's kind of confusing, though, because he felt totally fine, which obviously we've seen asymptomatic breakthrough cases. But then he also got three negative PCRs, like right after. That's what eventually, after seven days, got him out of quarantine. But I don't understand. We almost think it was a false positive, but like, and it does happen very rarely with PCRs. But we still had to treat it as if it was a positive because of Liam and just for other people's safety. So it was definitely hard to be away from him. I mean, solo parenting was really difficult. I I have so much fucking like awe and respect for solo parents. Honestly, you are a superhero. Um it was really difficult, and this was also when Liam decided to do his four-month sleep regression period stint, so it was a little miz, I'm not going to lie, and Joe took Charlie with him because I could not keep both of them, and I miss Charlie so much because I've only ever spent one night away from him, which I know is insane, but we got him right before COVID, so it's not like we've traveled. Um, anyway, I was then wearing a mask around Liam, which was honestly way more depressing than I ever could have imagined it just felt so disconnected and also like what is our world I'm breastfeeding my child while wearing a mask um but the, and he like kept trying to rip off the mask and I it made me so sad but then the moment I got my third negative PCR I took off my mask and his smile I started crying like it was magical I mean it, the feelings I have for this kid when he looks at me and smiles, I absolutely break. I, I just cannot handle it. Um, speaking of Liam, I get a lot of questions about why I don't show his face on my platform or why sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. And I've had a really hard time verbalizing this because I'm still trying to figure out my emotions and my feelings around it all. And it honestly isn't like necessarily have anything to do with Joe and his privacy at all even though like going into this I was like you know Joe's a more private person than I am and that's all very true but Joe's also not on Instagram and I don't think he's like aware of any of my stories or anything so this isn't like Joe driven if he had said to me I never want Liam's face on your platform like that's one thing but he's never said those words to me we've talked about how we don't want Liam involved in like being the center of sponsor content that to me just feels like kind of uncomfortable. Like maybe there are one-offs where he's included for a very specific reason, but I'm not trying to use him for like clout in all of my sponsored posts. Um, but I honestly think more of it for me is like this inherent need to protect and it's really hard to verbalize. And in the beginning, it was really difficult to not share him because he's so fresh and he's so new. And I also think he's the most beautiful baby that's ever existed. I know I'm biased, but I just, I almost want him to just be ours. And I'm not really ready to be sharing him with 60,000 people on a platform who don't know him. And like, also the internet can be really mean. And, if someone came after him on like my DMs, I would literally go ape shit. Like you want to see old bitch Cammy let loose, that is what would happen. And also, thirdly, or however many points, I posted like a few pictures of him on my feed over the past four months. And this is my perfect example of the internet just like 
doing whatever the fuck they want with photos. A daycare who I have no affiliation with, I've never been to the daycare. Like Liam is not a child that goes to this daycare. I don't follow this account. Um, they took a photo of me and him from my feed and posted it on their feed being like, oh, summer days, something, something, because we were on the beach. And it had Liam's face in it. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, absolutely not. Not only do they not ask to share this, but it's like, what are you trying to act as if we go to your daycare? Like, what? It was so, I felt so violated, honestly. Like, I felt really fucking violated. I messaged them and I was like, um, take this down immediately. Like, I really make an effort to not even show his face publicly on my platform, let alone on someone else's platform, let alone a platform I'm not even connected with. Like, I know nothing about this daycare. So they took it down, but that's like honestly a perfect example of why I'm protective. My friend, I'm going to post a link in the show notes. My friend Ellen, who's way more eloquent with her words than I am, did a post about this because she was saying like, I want to share him with the world because love is by nature diffused. It gives of itself. It overflows. And the space seems the natural place to capture the con- contents of such a brimming love, which is very true. At the same time, I want to keep him all to myself. At times, I hesitate even telling my husband some small story of some sweet exchange that sp- sprung up in a subtle moment with Johnny. I want to keep all these things in my heart. I want to take seriously my sacred charge to cherish. It's like I just want him for us. And there are moments where I'm like, I want to share this with everyone. I want everyone to see how cute this is. I want everyone to see how in love I am with him. I want everyone to experience this joy. And then there are times where I'm like, I only want this for us. And I don't know what this looks like. And everyone is very different on this topic. Everyone has a lot of emotions towards it. Everyone has a lot of opinions to it. I'm not telling anyone what to be doing with their child. I just feel... Like right now, I want to keep him more private. And every once in a while, I share something. And I'm fine doing that. But for the majority of it, I don't feel like he needs to be on my platform. And also, like I will say, when I pull out my phone, like he stops doing whatever he's doing. He doesn't like being recorded. And I need to like take a hint from that. Like I'm not trying to dress him up and take all these photos of him and push my phone on him because he doesn't fucking enjoy it. And I also don't want him being used to having my phone in his face all the time. Like I really, really, really don't want that. So that's where I'm standing right now on the topic. Um, I do think it's interesting how many people DM me and like, not that they're upset, but asking why I don't share his face. And I get that there's interest. I totally get that. But I also think that like we should for a second take a step back and ask ourselves why we feel the ownership to someone's child or the access to someone's child on a platform and why we would potentially be frustrated that they're not sharing. Like that's someone's kid. We don't really, we we don't deserve access to any of that. If we're being honest to these people, we don't even know. Like I do think that we should take a second to ruminate in that of why we feel access to information. And I, as a consumer, if something's going on in some like celebrity or whatever or an influencer's life, and I'm not calling influencer celebrities like myself. I'm saying an actual, like, true celebrity. Um, I sometimes am like, oh, my God, I wonder what's happening. Like, why don't I know? Why don't I know? Like, I don't necessarily deserve to know all of this information. I don't need access. I don't deserve access to every aspect of their life. Like, they're allowed to have boundaries. So I think it's important for us all to remember. And I also think it's important to normalize maybe not sharing our children on the Internet. Like, I think it's been so normalized to push these images of our kids – to strangers through phones 
and to a place that we don't know where all this is even going. Like, you have no idea. The internet is scary. And it's been really normalized. And I think we can also normalize not sharing our kids and not sharing every aspect of that part of our lives. So that's where I stand on the topic. It's a constant conversation that I'm having. Um, That's all for right now. I hope you all have a wonderful freaking weekend. I'm very excited for a weekend in the city. I'm potentially going to go see my older sister pending. She is not in labor, so who knows? Maybe if this episode has released, maybe she's in labor. That'd be exciting, Mad. Um, She's due any day now. But I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend, and thank you for listening. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. I love doing this more than anything in the world. If you could be so kind as to rate and or review the show, share a screenshot on your Instagram story, whatever you feel like doing to show some love, I would really appreciate it. Obviously, follow at Pod on Instagram and me at Freckled Foodie for more content. Thank you for being a part of the FF fam, and I hope you have a wonderful day.